genre. weekly podcast where we review, discuss, and recap every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Scott Corelli. And today on the show, we will be discussing Kinda, not Kinda, the fifth doctor's third story and what an adventure it is, Scott. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And Cassandra. So... (laughs) So Kinda is written by a uh, first-time writer for Doctor Who, Christopher Bailey. Um, this is his first script at the time. And directed by Peter Grimwade, whose previous story was Legopolis, the uh, fourth Doctor regeneration story. Um, so he returned for Kinda. Christopher Bailey had actually been asked to write a script for the show – uh, back when, um, I believe it was, who was it? I forget who was the guy that was not the transitional script editor, but the guy that was at the tail end of, um, but be, like before Eric Sayward, there's a transition guy. And then before him, there was another guy. Oh, I forget. I forget what his name was. Um, Bidmead. Is yes. It Bidmead? Yes. I think yeah, Bidmead. So so Bidmead uh at, he hired Bailey um to do this uh script because uh yeah, Christopher Bidmead. Um so he asked Christopher Christopher Bailey. That's why I was confused because it's two Christophers. Yeah. Okay. So Christopher Bidmead, uh the script editor in the late 70s, um he he uh or i guess this would be in early 1980 and then he left at the end of 1980 yeah um so early in 1980 he asked Christopher Bailey who was a graduate uh, uh just a graduate student it looks like at the time um and he came up with this story he had done a couple of plays and then he uh he envisioned this story called the kinda using all of this like crazy Buddhist mysticism that he was super into and he was writing it for Tom Baker's doctor um, only to find out as he was writing that it would actually be done for uh, it was supposed to be for season 19 but he assumed that it would be for Tom Baker but Tom Baker decided to regenerate at the end of 18 so he had to rewrite it for Peter Davison and at the time Tom Baker's doctor was fulfilling the role of a wise sage that the, you know, the fifth doctor couldn't really uh, do well. I would argue that, I mean, he could have, and it would have been really interesting if he had kept him in that role um, and would have, I think, further shown that the doctor is, 
more than the age that he's presenting himself as. Right. Um, but I don't know if they had that sort of out, outside the box thinking back then. So sure. they didn't think like that. It's something you um, can imagine happening in like a Matt Smith story. Right. Totally. Um, so he was told uh, on top of that, not only not only that, the doctor's changing, but also there would be two new companions in the form of Adric and Tegan. So he made the changes, he wrote the scripts, and then uh, later they decided that Nyssa would also be a regular character. And he's like, okay, look, I've already rewritten this twice. If I have to incorporate Nyssa, I will have to rewrite it a third time. Can I just leave Nyssa out of the story? Have her stay at the TARDIS because she's feeling ill or something? And they're like, yeah, I guess so. Like we haven't – that that was like a common practice in the 60s in Doctor Who but hadn't been since then. Um, the regulars would be given uh, – they would be like – an episode like once or like once or twice a season, they would just be missing for an episode, the character, so that the actor could have a week off. And that's something that they hadn't done since the sixties because the recording blocks weren't as grueling as they were back then. But so they th- this brought it back. This is the first time that a regular character was not in an episode uh of Doctor Who since the sixties, which is crazy. I wonder um, what she did with that week. I don't know. Uh, they had she had six days off, yeah, because they shot this whole thing in six days. Um, the other thing that was happening right now was that uh, there was a transition happening because we had the transitional guy um, whose name I'm not seeing here, but he worked with so Bailey worked with uh, Bidmead, and then he worked with the transitional guy. And then Edward – or then uh, Sayward t- came over, Eric Sayward, uh, who would then be the showrunner for quite a few seasons. And Eric Say- when Eric Sayward took over the show as script editor, they took some time off. So they recorded the first two stories and then they took something like three or four months, maybe even six months off work. Um, and while that transition was happening and during that time, Peter Davison like went and recorded like another show. He recorded like the last season of another show that he was working on at the time. And when they came back, they started with uh, – they started with Kinda and Eric Sayward was now the script editor and Eric Sayward started rewriting Kinda – uh, to take out a lot of the mysticism stuff, or at least to make it more simple for people to understand better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bailey was not a fan of that. Um, and he said, well, I'll tell you what, look, you, you need this to be more digestible this first time, but I'll I'll let you write a sequel to the story and then you can go as nuts as you want in that <laughs> because everyone will have this baseline that you can then build off of. So that was the agreement. So Bailey was like, okay. And he just started writing uh, what would become Snake Dance. Uh, and we will get to that in like a year and a half. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he went and started writing the sequel Um Excited to get all of like the wacky mysticism that he left out – got left out of Kinda and 
what happened was they went to go shoot it and they shot the first three episodes, all of which ran long. And then the fourth one was short. Uh, so they actually had to – they finished shooting uh, and this, this this happened in the edit bay. So they were like editing the episode, realized that episode four was was about like four minutes short. And so they're like, okay, we need we, – we can't like pull stuff from the other episodes because it doesn't really work like that. So we need new material to pad the fourth episode. And so they asked Christopher Bailey, who was in the middle of writing Snake Dance, to write like two extra scenes – uh, to to pad episode four, and so he wrote the two extra scenes, and then they filmed the two extra scenes when they made Earthshock because uh, the uh, uh, Grim Wade also directed Earthshock. Um, so they just went and quickly shot those two extra scenes, uh, and and slapped them into episode four, like as it was about to go on the air. Um, the two scenes are uh, Tegan and Adric talking about Hindle's bomb and the doctor assuring everybody that Hindle is no longer a threat. Those two scenes in episode four um, are the uh, the buffer scenes. Mm-hmm. So kind of interesting. Um, that's all I've got. I thought um, Nyssa was not included because they wanted to kill her like behind the scenes. That's not what I'm reading here. Oh. Like the actress? No, not the actress. Like the character. They wanted to write her out of the show. No, that's not what I read here at all. Oh. Because I read I I remember there being like tension behind the scenes because um either Sayward or John Nathan Turner wanted Nissa gone, but Peter Davison had to fight and be like, Nissa is the only companion that really makes sense with my doctor so if you leave me with these two like there's no promises to like like it makes no sense for you to kill the one companion that actually gels with my doctor so they that's why Earthshock is a thing hmm well I can only think of one way to solve this problem (laughs) ladies and gentlemen Mr. Eric Sayward (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. That's not in here at all in the information I have. Uh, are you sure it's not another episode that that problem um, happened? I don't, or as a result of the, this story where they're like, oh, it worked better without her. I don't, I don't know. I thought it was because like, cause it was a big deal that she's not in this one and she gets sick at the end of yeah. the last one. And they're like, well, we'll just write her out. Yeah. But of course I'll Ooh. care for Nessa. <laughs> Hmm. Well, I don't know. It's a wicked joke for all you wicked fans out there. I appreciate it. Could be. Uh, Thank you. Could just be. I mean, I. I. I it might I don't just know. be it like could, hearsay. Yeah. Well, and it could just be like hearsay and assumptions, where it's like, yes, that was a problem, and that was a thing that may have happened, mm-hmm. or like conversations that were being had. And there could be people just assuming that it happened here because this is not in this. Right. Like, you know, matching the, the drama to the events of the story or something. Yeah. Um, but it might not have synced up like that. That's fair. I don't know. Because all I have here – all I have here is that he just didn't want to write a third draft. That's also totally understandable. Who does? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Um, so, uh, before we get into the story proper, 
Uh, I wanted to talk about a couple of of uh, Doctor Who. Yes, me bits. too. I, I was hoping you had seen this. Okay, so so first, I want to talk about the first thing, which I brought up. Um, we have like a little DM conversation Twitter thing, but uh, yes, but like Eddie Redmayne uh, ha- was being interviewed and um, about Fantastic Beasts, and they compared his character Newt uh, Scrim Scamander. Scamander. Newt Scamander to uh, Matt Smith's doctor and was like, oh, do you, you see the resemblance? He's like, oh, yeah, I guess I could see it. I suppose and he was I like, do somehow in some way. I do. Yeah. <laughs> He's like literally just exactly Matt Smith's doctor. Um, Which is interesting because originally Matt Smith was in the running to play Newt Scamander. Right. Huh. Yeah. Um, he was he was one of the finalists. It was like it was literally just like it was between Matt Smith and Eddie Redmayne, if I'm not mistaken. Mm hmm. Um, and then they saw Terminator Genesis. <laughs> well, I no, I I assume I assume that Matt Smith. I mean, I I, I don't know if it was that or if it was if it was uh, Eddie Redmayne's turn as. Um, oh Peter sure, Hockey. yeah. Uh, yeah. But but regardless, because because to be totally fair, Eddie Redmayne was in a terrible movie that year too. Uh, yes, he was. Yeah. Yes, he was. Um, so. Uh, or at least he was Our terrible in a life. movie. He was terrible <laughs> in a movie <laughs> that year. Uh, Matt Smith was in a terrible movie, and Ed Ray, R- Eddie Redmayne was terrible in a movie. Um, <laughs> That's charitable for Jupiter Ascending, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just know a lot of people really like that movie, so sure. Uh, I don't, I don't want to. Whoa! Do I like Terminator it. Genesis what? more than Jupiter Ascending? <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna have to. <laughs> You have to, Tune in you have to next week. Um, yeah, do some introspection, so, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, so he was like, he was like, he talked about how he's a Whovian and how he has watched the show since it came back. He's like a really big fan. Well, of course, and he, does. he said that he would. He's always wanted to play the Doctor, but he's never wanted to be one of the young Doctors. He's like, as much as I love Matt Smith and what David Tennant did, he's like, I've always wanted to be the Doctor, but like when I'm sixty. And I was like, I don't know that I've ever heard an actor express a desire to play the doctor as an old man, like in the future. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was really interesting and kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know. he's a really intelligent dude. Every time I watch like um, interviews with him or like podcasts or like I watch the, those Hollywood roundtable stuff on on YouTube that the Hollywood Reporter does. Um, and yeah, that yeah, he, that that would. Yeah, that's just, it's a very interesting kind of it, – it's a very it, – it's a quote by someone you can tell that has an appreciation for the show. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That he's not like, yeah, I'll play the Doctor Who, man. <laughs> yeah. That's that's how I imagine Colin Farrell doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, sure. Right, why not I'll play the Doctor, whatever. <laughs> right? <laughs> what are right. – what, what, what Everything else in my life goddamn weirdly. Are you are you super familiar with Eddie Redmayne at all? Me? Me? Yeah, you, Cass. Oh. The one yeah. that hasn't spoken. No, I like him. Oh, okay. Did you like Jupiter Ascending? I actually haven't seen <laughs> Jupiter Ascending. Oh, I would love for you and Norman to watch Jupiter Ascending. We are together. actually we actually are planning on it um whenever we get around to our weekend edition because we want to watch movies that the other cast has have been in. 
And I was like, oh, we were thinking, Sean Bean. yeah, we were thinking about like, what the heck is Sean Bean in? You yes. mean, do, do you mean Lord of the Rings minute? Yes. Uh, what did I say? You didn't say anything. Oh. You, you said the weekend edition. You just said the weekend Sorry. edition. Sorry. I'm just, you know. <laughs> it's like, who's Norman? What weekend edition? We talk about it on the show. They should know. Um, I don't. Maybe they don't. I don't doubt the audience's uh, attention to details. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sean um, Bean is amazing in Jupiter. Yeah, or isn't he like a like a flock of bees or something? <laughs> he's like a well, he, he's definitely a dog man. But I thought Channing Tatum was the dog man. They're both dog men. Oh. Hey, dog man. Um, and they, uh, but yeah, he also has a really good. Yeah, he also has a really good little monologue about bees and um he gives he gives Shannon Tatum a really good motivational speech because <laughs> we were like what has Sean Bean in, been been in that's a really hard <laughs> sentence to say that he hasn't like died or not Game of Thrones and I was like oh well a national treasure and <laughs> GoldenEye <laughs> oh yeah he's in that um, but then I was like, oh, dude, Jupiter Ascending. We haven't seen that yet. So, hmm. But isn't Eddie Redmayne the like whispery, glittery David Bowie villain? Yeah. So funny story about Eddie Redmayne and Jupiter Ascending. So is this Doctor Who related in any way? <laughs> no, in no way. Should probably <laughs> keep going. Never mind. I, I, I have a lot of Jupiter Ascending stories that I've collected. I, I know. And I'm just trying to keep <laughs> the train on the rails. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um so the other bit of news uh is the the and, and granted this comes from the Daily Mail so take it for, with a grain of salt but the Daily Mail is reporting that the BBC want a clean break between showrunners which mean which would mean that uh Peter Capaldi and Bill uh and I guess Nadine whatever whatever that guy's name is um Nadine Nadine how do you say his Who? name? Nagini. The the bald dude. Oh. The the chubby bald Whatever. guy who's a companion this season? Uh, is he? I for, no, I, I thought he was for the Christmas mm-hmm. special. No, he's an ongoing companion. Wait, Matt Lucas is going to be in the show for like a while? For the whole season. Really? Yeah. That's a, well, yeah. It's been fun, guys. Yeah. Why? No, I know. Why I'm not. Let, I'm, why couldn't not. we just let Bill be her own thing? Well, apparently, uh, they are not a fan of this season at all. Uh, the oh, BBC, great. like they they've seen stuff and they don't they're not they're not into it, and they want so they want a clean break. They want to end Peter Capaldi's run. No, they want to they want to uh, end Bill and Nadine, and then they want to start over with a new, fresh season five ish. You know, oh, so so Bill might be a one season companion. Yeah, well, I mean that's not that's not that crazy. I mean Donna yeah, and Donna Martha and were both one. Well, season yeah, but that was almost, almost that was like a decade ago. Well, yeah, but it's not unheard of. Um, I mean, it's it's weird. <clears throat> so so yeah, so that that's that's the rumor, and that they want to take the show back to uh, a, a young doctor. No. Um, that's, they don't want the old doctor because apparently they're not selling any merchandise and the numbers are like bleeding out and they're just like, if you want to keep the show going and we do, 
we need a young doctor again because that's when the show made money. So that's sad. That's very fascinating. It makes me really interested in watching um, season ten. I mean, I mean, not like well, I wasn't before, but yeah, right. I mean, we're gonna we're, when when it airs, we're gonna watch it. Um, but <laughs> I, I will we're say, going to watch season ten, guys. Yeah, <laughs> make no mistake. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what I, I I mean, I look at this and I just think. One, it's Daily Mail, so take it with a grain of salt. Of course. Um, and That's a very Daily you know, Mail story to run. It is, and it could be it's – a, it's a thing where it's like I, I was reading uh, uh, Kyle Anderson who has been on this show uh, previously. Um, Kyle Anderson was writing – is writing for Nerdist and he writes most of the Doctor Who stories on Nerdist, if not all of them. And he wrote about this and he said that the Daily Mail's information – could be about how uh, ev- like the the merchandising is going down and they're making assumptions about what their plans are going to be. But he points out that the BBC aren't stupid and that just because merchandise sales have gone down, it could be from one of two things. One, merchandising sales have gone down since Peter Capaldi took the role because merchandise sales were up further than they'd ever been before for the 50th anniversary, which had happened just before Matt Smith regenerated. That's true. And so it's like a false – it's a false equivalency that the reason that the merchandise sales have dropped is because Peter Cabaldi became the doctor. That's yeah. number one. The, 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 the proof, the logic there is faulty. Right. Number two, the other reason that he says that their logic is falsy about merchandise sales is because he goes, of course merchandise sales have dropped off. There hasn't been a new episode of Doctor Who in a year. What what would be selling? Nothing. Mm -hmm. There's nothing new to sell. Um, And so uh, like the last – the last new bit of Doctor Who merchandise was the 12th Doctor's new Sonic Screwdriver that we got – you know, at the very end of last last season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what can you do? You know, like there's, there is like, yeah. So, so he's, his point was like the BBC smart. They know the way that their business is working. And he said that this sounds like, uh, the daily mail, just wanting people to read their magazine or their. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm choosing to go just because, those are some big leaps in that story. Yeah. Um. It. it yeah. So I'm gonna choose to kind of put this on the um on the Donald Trump side of of things that are true, <laughs> in which it's a thing that's not true. That's fair. So I have a bit of news to share, actually. Okay. About about Doctor Who, not Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, um, so this is actually a bit. Uh, have we? Have you guys heard about the uh, the new announcements about um, season ten writers? No. Oh yes, that's right. The uh, yeah. Have you heard this cast? No, I haven't. So can I? Oh can I? God. Can I share it, Scott? Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. I just, I just, I, I think it's weird that you're sharing it because you've never seen the story that they wrote. Okay. Do you do you have like you share you share the modern who one and I'll share the other one. Okay, cool, cool. I, I just want to make sure that you have like the information like at the ready. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, Casson listeners, um, <laughs> two <laughs> two screenwriters for the upcoming season of Doctor Who 
are um, sharing some insider info about the episodes they've been writing for spring 2017. Jamie Matheson mm-hmm. uh, has signed on to write uh, episodes of Doctor Who. You might remember Jamie Matheson's work for is it is it is it a woman or a man? I think it's a man. Okay, well, that's a shame. Um, <laughs> he wrote um, he wrote Mummy on the Orient Express and The Girl Who Died with Stephen Moffat and, and Flatline and Flatline. Yeah. So she is um he is writing a um an episode that um and then and it's and here's the quote. So what can I tell you? Well my episode this year is very, very scary. Like seriously. So let's go behind the sofa and just stay there until it's over scary. Oh boy. I've got more shocks and tense scares than anything I've ever written. And that's coming from a man who wrote an episode of My Parents Are Aliens. It's also a taut thrill ride, a gag fest, a pitch black satire, and for the first time, I'm writing for Bill and Nardle. Mm. See? Bill and Nardle. I hate hate that. I'm excited that he's back because I like his writing a lot, but... (sighs) Yeah. Okay, so, so here's the other writer. You ready for this cast? Nothing will prepare you for what I'm about to say. Okay. One of the returning writers to the to series ten is Rona Monroe. And what story? The writer of Survival. What the muffins? <laughs> yeah. I had to censor myself. <laughs> what the muffins indeed, Cass. Wait, okay. Scott, would you would you like to tell the listeners who Rona Monroe is? Yeah, so 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 Rona Monroe is the writer of Survival, which is Sylvester McCoy's final story uh, and the final episode, the final story of the classic era. Back and in 1989. It, and it involves uh, the master and cheetah people and the master has cat eyes. <laughs> yeah. What in the world? Yeah, she's coming back to write Modern Who – and honestly, if it is even half as bananas as survival <laughs> is, I am in. Would you like to hear some more information? Sure. So the episode is going to be the ninth episode of the season, and uh, the title is The Eaters of Light. Interesting. Oh, I like that. And then here's a fun little quote that uh, Mono gave to the BBC. Writing survival was my dream job, but it was a mournful time in the show's history. This has been a very different experience. There's more of everything, resources, confidence, success, but the same constantly renewing and indefinable wonder that is Doctor Who. When I was very small, I remember watching the first Doctor. I had a special cushion known as Rona's Doctor Who cushion. I I would hide my face in it when the Daleks or other monsters appeared on screen. The Eaters of Delight is my version of other stories that have haunted me for almost as long. That's amazing. Yeah, she's 57. Wow, she must have been pretty young when she wrote Survival. Yeah. Like 20s, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's that that about right. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, is this the first classic Who writer to return to the new show? I think it might be. Yeah. We've had God, a, Could you imagine? Um, cuz we, we've had a classic director come back. Yes. Um, but I don't think a writer has. Right. I think she's the first writer. I Can you imagine if Robert Holmes was still alive oh and had gotten to write God. an episode of Modern Who? 
I mean, my God. Ugh. Man. Good Lord. Anyway. Season yeah, that 10, was guys. huge news. That's bonkers that news. crazy. I know. What? <laughs> and Nadine. <laughs> I just want to temper our excitement. <laughs> I know, but. Uh... Yeah. You know what's even crazier? Hmm. So next week is is Thanksgiving, right? That super that super problematic holiday that we have here in America. <laughs> then it's th- like three more weeks until Christmas break starts, mm-hmm. and then like guys, the 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 what is it like Baron von Zoom across the eighth dimension? What what's the Christmas special? Called? Oh God, I wish that could have been called. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the return of Doctor Mysterio. The return of Doctor Mysterio is like it's less than a month. It's like it's like a little over a month away. Yeah, I think if we have this timed right, uh, we will we will wrap this season of uh, TDC just as the Christmas special hits. Nice, and then hopefully when we come back in January. We will be able to get through one more season of Long Way Round before the new season starts. I think. And then all our listeners will come back. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know the 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 new who surge of listeners. It's uh, it's really funny. Much like Doctor, much like BBC's Doctor Who merchandise, our numbers have uh, gotten a bit, uh, gotten a bit. Uh, they 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 go down between between new new episodes of uh, Doctor Who. It's like it's like the crops in winter, though. It's it's nothing we weren't prepared for. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. It happens. I mean, it's happened literally every time on this show. So Do people just I've like been doing the show since two thousand nine. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh my god. Well, I think- There's gonna come a point where I'm gonna have done this show for ten years. Season. <laughs> I thought because I thought you started with Matt Smith's era. No, we started uh, started with End of Time Part One. Oh, so yeah, barely, so barely two thousand nine. <laughs> yeah, barely, but still two thousand nine. Yeah. Yeah. So it was um, kind of two thousand and nine. Yeah. Like this is kind of twenty sixteen, and this is. Kinda the episode of Doctor Who we're gonna review. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, so let's talk about Kinda. All right, uh, Cass, tell us about part one. All right, so there's this expedition, this human expedition, um, in their like space dome, and they're in they're on this jungle planet called uh, Diva Loca. Um, live in La Diva Loca. Uh- Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I will never ever unhear that. Ever. You're welcome. Um so they oh, they're basically planning on colonizing the planet, so this is like the scout party. And um <laughs> That reminds me there's a there's a character in the Phantom Menace, one of the um one of the uh Jedi in the Jedi Council mm-hmm. and her, her her name is uh Deepa Balabla. What? Uh <laughs> Like her, her name is like Deepa. De, de, do you know who I'm talking about, Nick? I'm sure if I saw a picture of her, I'd be like, oh, she, that she's one. like the she's like the one who um, 
Uh, she's the one that's like kind of human, like pretty humanoid looking. I oh, think she's she, South Asian. Does she look like a person of color? And does she have like yeah. weird little like tentacle hair? Right. Yeah. Oh, I know exactly yeah, who that yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. I think it's. I think it's Deepa Balabla. Bala, well, I don't I even know how to type that. So we'll just yeah, I, I don't know either. So anyway, um, so so anyway, yeah. On on Star Wars Minute, they have this joke that every time they they talk about her, they say, "I like Deepa Balabla." Oh <laughs> nice, and it's amazing, and that's what this reminded me of. So anyway, oh my god. Um, so there's this scouting party on this planet, this jungle planet. Um, but the scouting party is not going as well as they hoped because three members are missing. Uh, so like the only people in the va- the base are uh, the commander whose name is Sanders, and he is like every stereotypical colonial era older British gentleman. He's amazing. He even has like the little safari hat. Um, and legit, oh his little bad. his little old man workout routine is the greatest oh, thing. Oh man, it's so legit! Like he's just doing yeah. push-ups and running in place as he's speaking to the scientist. Um, and and he, when he's running in place, he's like it's it's like knees all the way up to his chest. Yeah, like like hardcore. Which is very proper. <laughs> this dude has read a lot of Alan Quarterman books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So there's a the security guy whose name is Hindle, and he looks. Like Kylo Ren, kind of. Um, he's like really annoying and whiny and borderline crazy. Yeah. And the uh, scientist who is this lady with the last name of Todd, because, you know, it's a expedition, so everyone goes by last name only. Um, sure. So Todd's like, uh, you know, Sanders, Hindle is being weird and lurking in the hallways again and you know maybe maybe you shouldn't push him too much and sanders is like you know doing push-ups do whatever i want yeah he's like well i'm in charge so whatever um and they are (laughs) they're studying uh the native uh population and they have two uh like test subjects i guess like locked in a cell and they they're the 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 people are called Kinda, which is why the story is called Kinda. Um, and, and they're, and they're kind of looking for unobtainium. Yeah. <laughs> they're looking, oh, they're, my God. They're looking for more room, basically. Um, unobtainium. unobtainium. <laughs> I know. They even have the mech suit. Yeah. They even have the mech suit. You've oh, got my God. The, I love the mech the, suit the, so much. The one guy is Stephen Lang, and uh, uh, the old guy is like Stephen Lang's character, and then Hindle is um, Giovanni. Uh, yeah, Giovanni Ribisi, and then uh, and then you've got uh, Sigourney Weaver here. Yeah, um, Todd. <laughs> oh and Sigourney my God. Weaver. Grace, Doctor Grace. Um... Yeah, Doctor Grace. I mean, it's literally Avatar. It's literally Avatar. But Doctor Who did it first. Yeah, but Doctor Do- Who did it way, way first. <laughs> I mean, they beat. I mean, it, it it didn't beat the Pocahontas story, but uh, or like Last of Them. I guess it did. It beat everything, like all of the filmed well, versions of that is, story. Is history. Pocahontas really happened. Well, yeah, but Pocahontas didn't happen the way that it happened. Yeah, the real version is much sadder. Yeah, right. It's not like Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it beat Fern Gully and it beat. 
uh, Last of the Mohicans <laughs> and, and Dances with Wolves you know, and whatever else. Dances with Wolves. Yeah. Avatar was compared to. Um, right. Wasn't Last awesome. of the Mohicans a book? Yes. Okay. I guess maybe it didn't. It's be a terrible book. Oh, would you have to read it like in school? Yes. Oh God. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, the last of the, sorry, Scott, the last Mohicans was written in 1757. Okay, so all right, so look, <laughs> it didn't beat that one, but I doubt it's referencing it either. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so Hindle is basically blaming these two Kinda people for their teammates being missing and he's being like kind of shady. So the TARDIS arrives. Nissa is like dizzy because she like passed out at the end of the last episode. And the doctor basically makes her like a, like a white noise machine with his sonic screwdriver to like make her sleep for two days. Um, and <laughs> I don't know. Go to sleep for about four episodes. (laughs) And I'm not sure why they, she can't sleep in space, but they just park on this planet and explore. And it's like sleeping on a plane. Some people can do it. Some people can't. Yeah, I guess so. But the, the inside is, whatever. That's true. Um, So for the sake of the story, they stay on the planet and explore. And they find this um, clearing with like these, giant they look like you know the the plastic things that like wipe your car after you go through a car wash like the the plastic curtains it kind of looks like that um and they're like probably was that (laughs) they're like flimsy clear plastic things and they're like giant wind chimes so like they like make music and the doctor is you know impressed and adric like basically does the equivalent of smashing all the keys on a piano simultaneously. And um, Tegan gets tired, so she takes a nap uh, while the doctor and Adric go off and explore. And they find the um, this mech suit, and Adric messes with the mech suit, as Adric is wont to do, and the mech suit escorts them to the the dome base, but Tegan is asleep under the wind chimes. And she basically like my favorite Paul McCartney album. <laughs> sleep under the wind chimes. Yeah. Um. So she starts to dream, and the the dream sequences are all really trippy. They're all in very oh, stark, yes. like black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, they are. A, you you almost want to like press. You almost want to hit mute and put on like a like a Soup Dragons album, <laughs> or like Pink Floyd or something. Yeah. Like. It's really, really trippy. So she, um, at the beginning of the episode, Adric and Nissa were playing chess. So she dreams, and in this, like, dark, stark black and white dream she has, there's this this woman that is dressed like the Queen of Hearts, and this this guy that looks, I don't know, he looks like a fop, basically. So they're, like, dressed up, and they're playing chess but it's like weird chess so there's like an extra board and like extra pieces and so they're like oh well she's she's an illusion so she's just like all right this is a weird dream and then all of a sudden this other guy who sounds like prince joffrey when he speaks um but he's also dressed he's dressed kind of like a court jester 
Um, but he doesn't have like the pointy <laughs> hat or anything. So he's basically like following her around and messing with her. And finally, like, he's like, okay, well, let's play a game. And she's like, okay. And he like conjures up another, uh, like Tegan, like a mirror image of Tegan. And he's like, we'll call her Sarah. Sure. Yeah. Tegan and Sarah. <laughs> Um, so he's like, I was like, why? No. <laughs> so he's like, all right. So in order for you to escape this dream, you have to decide which one is real and which one is fake. Um, and so while this is happening, the doctor and Adric arrive at the dome and, you know, Hindle, the crazy security guy immediately pulls a gun on them. And, um, Colonel Sanders, <laughs> Um, how'd you how'd you like that how'd you like that sweet canine quote i know it was amazing (laughs) (laughs) i bet you i was watching it's like oh nickel love that i bet you the writer just was bitter that he couldn't have canine in the story so he quoted canine um no i am (laughs) (laughs) so you know the colonel the, the commander is basically asking you know like like, how did you get here? What is your purpose here? What happened to our missing crew? Like, how did you find this mech? And um, they're basically, like, the doctor, like, talks them down. And the doctor starts talking to the lady scientist. And he's just like, all right, well, you know, what are you guys about? Like, what are you doing here? And they talk a little bit about, like, the kinda people that they have in the the dome and how they don't speak to each other, but clearly they're communicating. And, you know, that because they don't speak, they're savages. Um, so the doctor makes a new friend. And then, like, Hindle goes crazy after telling them that Sanders wants to talk to them. He basically, like, smashes. Like, he has a big hissy fit and smashes everything in the lab. And then calms down, um, mm-hmm. which is so weird. Uh, but he, he's basically in the lab and he has like this mirror and he holds up the mirror to the kinda and the kinda like have, as we find out later, the kinda speak telepathically. So for some reason using a mirror, he like speaks to them. So basically like he starts talking to the kinda and, um, like the scientists and Sanders are arguing because Sanders is like, well, I'm going to go out and explore the jungle and find our missing crew, so I'm going to leave Hindle in command because you're just a scientist and a woman, so you can't be in command. And so she's like, I don't know if that's a great idea. And he leaves, and he's like, ta-ta for now. And Hindle, like, goes crazy and just starts yelling at them about how they're, like, traitors and he like comes out and the kinda people have guns and he's just like yelling at them about how he controls their fate now. And that's how the episode ends. I have the, I'm sorry. The line is, Oh my God. Say it. I have the, the power line is, of life. I have the power of life and death over all of you. So this is the, this is the greatest cliffhanger I've ever seen in Dr. Who. <laughs> <laughs> because, we cut to an extreme close up of Hindle acting his ass off, mm-hmm. screaming like, "I have the power of life and death over all of you." Then you get you cut immediately to to Baker 
No, no, to Davidson. Sorry, Davidson. to to Davidson. No, just Dave Davison. Davison. Yeah, making like the face you make when your car doesn't start. <laughs> yeah, like what the hell? And then it smashes like, to the the end credit song. It's like and then the doctor's like, oh. Oh man, it was amazing. It's it's pretty it's pretty phenomenal. Um, it's pretty phenomenal. So uh, yeah, tell us two. about tell us about part two, or as I like to call it, there is no Tegan, only <laughs> Zool. Yeah, I, I like you- to call it. I like to call it Tegan through the looking glass. I thought you were going to say there is no Tegan, only Sarah. <laughs> there is no Tegan, only Sarah. Only Sarah. <laughs> That's what that's what Sarah says to Tegan after every concert <laughs> as they go to bed. There is no Tegan, only Sarah. All I want to get is a little bit. Why are you talking like that? Why are you talking like that? Why are you talking like that? <laughs> What's all this thing? <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Call back. So Tegan, um, Tegan and Sarah are Canadian. I don't know why. I know why they were British. British. <laughs> I don't oh. know. Oh, Tegan, what are you talking about? Eh? <laughs> You're talking There's nonsense. No Why are they Irish now? <laughs> you sounded like a yank. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway. anyway. So so Sanders, um he's in the <laughs> he's in the he's in the mech. He's, he's, you see like Jane's dad from Tarzan in this like giant mech. <laughs> Just like just like roaming through, and, and, and when you say mech, it sounds more impressive than it is. Oh no, it's a box. Yeah, it's it's just a refrigerator box. It's a refrigerator box with like robot arms, and it's like it's all. <laughs> it's, it's magical. Oh man, uh, so and he is so serious. <laughs> yes, he is. He is. He's about to wreck shop, and he's he's almost near the Kinda Village. So, um, Panna. The um the shaman the female shaman, um who I kept calling her the frog queen, uh, <laughs> oh, oh. because she rest in peace probably but she <laughs> I mean I think it's pretty safe to yeah. assume she I can imagine the casting director when this actress walked in like oh my god send everyone else home because. <laughs> This woman looks like she was, and I mean, I, this is gonna sound mean, but I mean this in a, in, a, in, a, in the best way possible. But she looks like she was created by Rick Baker. <laughs> she just, she just looks so otherworldly and ancient and weathered. She's amazing. So, um, so Panna, um, and she has an acolyte named uh, uh Kahuna, not Kahuna, Karuna. <laughs> <laughs> Kahuna. Kahuna. <laughs> to, um, and she's like, give me, give me that small box because um, only um, I don't know, uh, not to get political, but um, in Kinda society, the males are mute and only the females can speak. <clears throat> um, so before Sanders <laughs> comes near, um, Eris uh, returns to the village and is all like mad and angry. So Panna tells K- K- Karuna. <laughs> To like, hey, tell telepathically communicate with the man Kenda so I can 
find out what's wrong with him. So she senses great pain and anger. And um, and one of the Kenda is captured or, or, or she finds out that one of the captured Kenda is actually Karuna's brother. Right. Karuna's brother. Uh, Eris's brother. Eris's brother. Yeah, Sorry. That's why he's mad. Um, gotcha. So meanwhile, the doctor, Adric and Todd <laughs> and Todd are locked <laughs> in a cell. Um, and there's some amazing banter going on back and forth between the doctor and Adric. Um, this whole episode really has, this was the episode where I really started, maybe this is random, but where I really started getting the chemistry of the doctor and these children that he's looking after, you know, these children, (laughs) these weird kids. Um, so the Hindle dresses the uh, the Kinda that they've captured in colonial uniforms. Meanwhile, Sanders is getting nearer and nearer to the, the women back in the village. Um, Karuna says that it's dangerous for a male to take the box, but Pan is like, no, we have to do it. Um, so Karuna presents um, him with the box. Sanders takes it, and he's, quote, overcome by a psychic force. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, that's, the psychic force looks like how uh, getting that first warm feeling when when you take a like your first shot and you just get like that warm feeling. Oh yeah! What, oh, and it's, oh, it's cold outside. Yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, just a just a shot of whiskey in the winter. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Oh, it's amazing. It's just like this, this like red kind of like glow overtakes him and he has like this like warm, fuzzy look on his face. Yeah. Or like when like a fat drunk guy in a cartoon is drunk. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Are we going to talk about the jail cell? Please, let's do. Okay. So I want to talk about, so the, so, so, okay. Hindle has put the doctor and Adric and, uh, Todd, Todd, and whose Todd. name I keep forgetting because it's um, it's a last name, and so it's weird. <laughs> and, um, it's a, and it's a kind of a it's, anyway. a it's a woman who looks a lot like Madam the Madam President from Battlestar Galactica. Oh my god, um, she oh, does. Wish. Yeah, <laughs> who I always thought looked a lot like Elizabeth Latin. Huh. Well, it all comes around. There you go. Um. So so anyway so the three of them I know are, I are in this. Elizabeth Sladen, weird. Don't email me. <laughs> I think it's Sladen. Yeah, it is Sladen. Sladen. Yeah, I think it's Sladen. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, Adric is teaching the doctor a magic trick, <laughs> and it's the dumbest magic trick because he's just like pick a hand, and he's like that one, and he's and there's nothing in. It. He's like, oh, that's very clever, and he's like, all right, we'll pick a hand. And he goes like, well. You know, logic says I should pick the opposite hand. So I'm going to pick the same hand. But you might have thought of that. So I'm going to pick this. I'm going to pick the the other hand. And there's nothing in it. And he's like, oh, dang it. Where is it? He's like, pick a hand. He's like, I picked both of them. And he's like, that one. And it's empty. That one. It's empty. And he's like, well, what the hell? And then Adric <laughs> pulls it out of his ear. And he's like, oh, that's very clever. Yeah, I and love then that. he's like, he's like, I want to try. Ad, let me just say, Adric has not taught the doctor this magic trick. Right. At all. <laughs> he's just shown him a magic trick, not how to do it. So then he's like, I want to try. So then he does it and he, and he, go, he goes over to Todd and he's like, pick a hand. And she's like, do we really, we're in a jail cell. Do we have time for this? He's like, just do it. And she's like, fine, that one. And he's like, he's like are you sure? <laughs> 
And she's like, yeah. And Hedrick's like, open your hand. He's like, it's the one with the coin in it. Damn it. <laughs> and it's like, it's like a very, it was like a very 10 moment. Like I, I just imagine David Tennant as a, as a young boy watching this scene and being like, if I'm ever the doctor, I'm going to be like that. Which we know he probably did. Yeah, because it's very a very tennish kind of thing, like the thing where he's just like, where he's like, he's like, pick a hand, that one. Are you sure? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's like, and he's just like, kind of like disappointed and dejected that he <laughs> isn't doing the trick right, and it's just like, oh, d- buddy, he never taught you how to do the <laughs> trick. He just showed it to you. It's not actually magic. Man. Come on, come on, doctor. Yeah. Anyway, so, I just I really love that. No, scene. it's amazing. It's great. Um. So Hindle is now even more crazy bananas, and he um says that he wants to sterilize an area fifty miles around the dome using fire and acid, um because he's he believes that the um, plant life of Devaloka is um loco, like a better <laughs> term. Uh. So Adric manages to persuade Hindle that uh that they're on the same side, and then takes the selkie, and unfortunately. <laughs> He uh, he tries to smuggle the key to the doctor and the cell fails. Adric really Adric's it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, she just Adric's the crap out of that plan. So meanwhile, Tegan still uh, trapped in the world between worlds um, is arguing with Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to say, I don't think we've really painted an accurate picture for the listener about just how effing weird the the cinematography is whenever they're in like the dreamscape is. It reminds me of um so I don't know if Cass has ever seen Spaced, but I know you have, Nick. Yes. And that episode where they go to performance theater. Oh, oh my yeah. god, yes. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> See, it's funny. like just like rabbits, 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 rabbits. See, it, it's so funny that you say space because I was getting so. Uh, have you guys ever seen? Uh, have you guys ever seen a show that aired in England called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? No, that, no. That sounds amazing. Okay, so there's a show that aired like in the 2000s called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. And it was sort of made by the same people. Have you guys ever seen The Mighty Boosh? Yes. I I have seen, I think, the first episode. Okay, so it's kind of like, so like, it, it's something that Richard Ayoade made before The Mighty Boosh. And it kind of has like a lot of the same people. But it's like a, so in the world of the show, Garth Marenghi was like Stephen King. And he created this vanity project where it was like they're working at a hospital. But Who he's plays like, him? Oh God, I couldn't tell you. Um, I'd have to look it up, but yeah. So, and it's purposefully shot on this very like low res video, like eighties video format. And it, I think I've heard of this. If I if you tell me who is playing that guy, I'll I know I'll have heard of this. And it reminds me a lot. I, I can imagine like, oh, this is probably what they used as like a a frame of reference was like mm-hmm. this era of Doctor Who. Garth Marenghi was played by. I think Richard Iowati had something to do with that show. He yeah, yeah. Well, well, he played he played he played Garth Marenghi's uh, like best friend and publisher. 
I think he might have directed that show. He probably did. Um, and he he wrote he wrote it with he wrote it and created it with Matthew Holness, who played Garth Marenghi. Is that the guy from IT Crowd, the boss? <laughs> um, no, he was in he was in one episode of The Office. Hmm. Um, yeah, he actually doesn't have a lot of okay. credits. That's too bad. Well, anyway. All right, so that's cool. So it's it reminds you of that. Yeah, it does. It reminds me of the double a little bit too. Yes, there's there are scenes in the double that remind me of this a lot. So which is it's a crazy. Your Diawati movie. So Ducka returns to taunt Tegan and adds more Tegans. There's Tegans and Sarahs and all kinds of things. <laughs> and she's like, "Why are is, you doing?" Is Tegan uh, the actress who plays Tegan? Is she a twin? Is that her twin, or are they doing a split screen thing? Because when it's just Tegan and Sarah, if it's split screen, it's really good split screen. Um, I don't think she's a twin. So that's just really excellent split screen. It's not good when there's like dozens of them, but when it's just the two of them, it actually looks really good. It's probably because yeah. the background's so dark, so there's no like. Visible seam. Yeah, that's true. Oh, did you know Space is off Netflix? No, really? Yeah. That's a bummer. Anyway, um, had your chance, guys. <laughs> now I have an excuse to buy that really awesome DVD set. with like. It the, is really awesome. Every episode has three commentary tracks. Oh, I love Edgar Wright commentaries. I know. Hello. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, that's my... <laughs> You're your, your Edgar Wright impression. Yeah. Hey, I love when you pull it out every time you do. Cause it's, it's so spot on, but such a bizarrely random Skilled impression to, to have in your... Yeah, like it will never... Your quiver. Like I will never be asked to do that. Your, your Edgar Your Edgar Wright impression is the equivalent to your boxing glove arrow. Like it's... Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why would you ever need this? Someday, someone's going to ask me to do an Edgar Wright impression. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah. So, Tegan's like, leave me alone. Oh, so, so Ducka's like, I want your body. I want your physical form, you <laughs> dumb Brit. And she's like, leave me alone. Wow. <laughs> and so... <laughs> so... So she's she's left. So she's like, leave me alone. And she's like, okay, teehee. No, also, so, also, I love that you say you call her a dumb Brit. She's Australian. She's supposed oh, to be right. Australian. Oh right, the one person on the show that that doesn't apply to. Yeah. Uh, I, I I I always forget which one of I always forget if 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 Nissa or Tegan is Australian, but it is it is Tegan. Yeah. Um. So she's left completely alone. Tegan submits to the will of Daka, taking his hand. The mark of the snake moves from his forearm into hers. She wakes up in the clearing with a malevolent grin, and she's now possessed by uh, Rooney Mara. <laughs> I really like how they do the possession effect, um, yeah, being like, that it's just it's just like a bloody mouth. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's how you know. They have, like, smoky eyes and a bloody mouth, and that's how you know that that's the Mara. Like... Like the kind of like the real kind of bloody mouth, not the kind of bloody mouth that you see in movies where there's just like blood like gushing out of their mouths. But yeah. like it's just like like if you took like one of those um, 
blood pills, like those blood capsules, like for mm-hmm. Halloween. Yeah. And you just bit on it and then just like kind of dyed your teeth. It kind of looks like they, looks yeah, like that. they <laughs> smeared like Kool-Aid, like cherry Kool-Aid on their mouth a little bit. Yeah. 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 I mean, let's be honest. Either one of those could be what they actually did. <laughs> Absolutely. But it looks real. I like it. I think it's a really effective way to do possession in a way that – because like whenever you see possession and stuff, it's always eyes. Yeah. Always because it's like, oh, the eyes are the windows of the soul, but there's another soul in there. So the eyes are what's different. And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. OK. But this mouth thing is cool because you I've never seen that other than in this story. And I think it's a really cool way to visualize that this person is possessed. Yeah, no, it's it's really effective. And and he had Kool Aid mouth in the in the dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when she wakes up with Kool Aid mouth, you're like, whoa. And I also want to say, Tegan Zool is so awesome. Mm-hmm. Like she's really good. I never realized that. She, when she is possessed, she's actually using her like legit real life accent because she's not because she's not from Australia. She's like British. Uh huh. So like she drops the accent, and you can tell she's just like bringing it. And yeah. I don't like Tegan the character, but I love this performance so much because it's so good. It makes it bums me out that she it doesn't do it after this episode. Like she's she is she's Tegan Zool for like three scenes and yeah. then you know she ends up giving it to that other guy and then that guy is Zool for the rest of the story mm-hmm. and it's like it's a bummer because she was amazing in that role. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, it's really good. Very kind of a Billy Piper turn. Yeah. 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 Totally. So, so meanwhile, Hindle is planning on punishing Adric for being a naughty, naughty boy when uh, Sanders returns to the dome in his amazing box robot thing. Um, hello. But now, because he, he took that shot of whiskey, he's now very, like, playful and, like, like he's, like, capering about. and He's a fun drunk. He's a fun drunk. Um, he's the opposite of Bruce Springsteen's dad. So he offers the box oh. to Oh no. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. Um I just got done reading his book, so I have I have that on the brain. Um so he offers the box to Hindle, who's super freaked out about what might be inside. Meanwhile, Zultegan encounters Eris in the jungle. She can sense that something's wrong and starts to like taunt him and like says like, Yeah, you know, you can you know you wanna have Kool-Aid mouth? And he's like, sure, I don't even know what that is. And so uh, he transfers the mark of the snake. And then um, Eris becomes the new host of the Mara. Meanwhile, uh, Hindle has imprisoned the doctor, the Todd, and the Sanders in the cell. Well, and- I want to I talk about that scene where she transfers it. Because sure. when he walks, he walks around and then he like sits down under a tree, like kind of dejectedly. And when he sits down under the tree, he like passes the tree and you can see Tegan's legs in the tree. And then they, you, the camera follows him as he sits down, and so then she's off camera. And it's really creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, in a way that Classic Who isn't normally creepy, because they don't tell you that she's in the tree. They never, like, tell you that she's going to be in the tree. You're just following Eris 
And he's like, uh, over here, I'm just going to go sit by this tree. And then he's kind of, it's kind of Charlie Browning it. Yeah. And then you just go, he goes and sits down and you just see legs in a tree and you're like, Oh my God, what? <laughs> awesome. Yeah. This episode shows, is like, throw some apples at him. This episode is really well directed. Yeah. Has to be said. Yeah, it is. Has to be it's said. Good. Anyway, um, so <laughs> so Hindle has everyone in prison. Then he's like, "Open the box, or I'll shoot you." And then the doctor opens it, and Todd screams, "Bloody murder!" And the episode. I ends. love this cliffhanger. Yeah, that's a that's a good cliffhanger. I like the way that it's timed. Yeah, mm-hmm. where it, it's just like so much tension about opening the box. And then as soon as he opens it, she lets out a blood curdling scream that combines with the the mute the the cliffhanger music. Oh, it's so good. It's really good. Good episode. So anyway, part three. Uh or as I like to call it, what's in the box? <laughs> yeah. Um so uh so yeah, so we get the repeat of the uh of the of the box opening and uh a jester's pop- puppet like pops out of the box like a like a can of snakes, and uh, it pops out and they start laughing and then they're like, "Ah, oh, it's just it's, that's great." The kid to have a sense of humor that's hilarious, and then they look deeper in the box and they're like, they see something and Hindle starts freaking out, uh, and this whole time. Hindle's favorite word, like he must have learned the word silence recently, like in his vocabulary <laughs> lessons, um, because he uses silence constantly. There's a part in part two where, uh, <laughs> where Adric tries to talk and he goes, silence. And there's a beat and he goes, all right, speak up. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's absurd. Um, so anyway, uh, so he's, he's telling everyone to shut up and tell them what's happened to the lights because all the lights start flickering. As uh, the doctor and Todd leave their jail cell and they start seeing visions of the Kinda sort of beckoning to them. And they're like, okay, that's weird. So then they escape and Hindle's freaking out because all the cameras aren't working and he can't see what's going on in the jail cell. Um, which gave uh, Todd and the doctor a chance to leave. Uh, so then they get out there and they get to sort of like a clearing where they can go either left or right. And, uh, the doctor's like, well, let's flip a coin for it. Heads, we go this way, tails, we go this way. And, uh, he like flips the coin and he's like heads. And she goes, he starts to go toward heads and she's like, then we're going tails. And then <laughs> walks toward tails and he's like, all right, tails it is. Why the hell did I flip a coin then? Um. But I liked that he flips the coin because, uh, you know, it's been presumably. Let me see if we have uh, dates here uh, on my on this Wikipedia page that I've got open. I don't see, I don't see dates for the particular episodes. So I don't know if the show was weekly at this point or if it was twice weekly because there were there were multiple times during the run of the show where it would be like every like Tuesday and Thursday or you know Monday and Wednesday or. Yeah, same Doctor Time, same Doctor Channel. Right. And then other times where it would be like once a week. So I don't know if they were weekly or not. But regardless, we had the setup of the coin in part two. And now we're getting getting the coin set up again because it's going to pay off later in this episode. So it's like reminding the audience like, ah, you haven't watched the show in a week, but he had a coin, remember? So I like that. Mm -hmm. Just as a – 
as a subtle like setup thing. I know it's like it's like meat and potatoes kind of storytelling stuff, but it's interesting to see it in the context of a show like this. Well, you can't forget your meat and potatoes, Scott. That's true. <laughs> um, so how can you have your pudding? So they go. Hindle screaming about silence. And uh, there's this, this part where, <laughs> where uh, uh, what, what's the old man's name? Uh, Sanders. Uh, yeah. Sanders, yeah. right. So Sanders is talking to Adric about like what they're going to do. And Hindle tell, tells them, says silence. And he, he's like, silence, listen. And he starts to read. And then Adric interrupts him and he says, silence, listen. <laughs> And he's like reading from the manual and he basically is describing a no win scenario in which the um, uh, uh, the natives of the planet that they are inhabiting, if they were to – if there was a situation in which they may gain access to the dome, they can uh, – the leader, in this case Hindle because he's in charge – the leader has the authority to destroy the dome so that the natives can't get it. And so he's like, do you know what that means? It means I can blow this place up and I can do that because I'm the leader. And he's very, very happy about this flawless logic that he has uh, sure. come across. And Adric is just like, Oh boy, why am I stuck here? <laughs> um, and so, uh, so then Todd and the and, and the doctor are walking around in the jungle. They realize something's following them, and uh, first Todd realizes it. And the doctor's like, "That's ridiculous." And she's like, "No, come here and look." And he comes and looks. And he goes, "Oh, hey, I think someone's following us." <laughs> and she's like, oh, "Okay, great." And then this. Kabuki mask dude bursts out of the trees and starts doing a little dance and all these other Kinda natives show up and it turns out he's sort of like the court jester of the Kinda and he does he does a lot of like gymnastics and and dancing and stuff and like hopping around. He's he's a real kooky character, this jester. Um and he's also a really terrible mime. Uh so I guess if you're into really bad miming, and I am. Oh man, he does that thing with his face where he crosses his hand across his face and makes different facial expressions every time he passes his hand across his face. Only he passes his hand across; they they shoot it from the side so you can see his face changing. (laughs) It's really bad. It's really (laughs) one of the cases of poor direction or poor blocking or poor framing or something. Um, but it's, uh, it's not great. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so the doctor's like, okay, well, they don't communicate with words. So how can I impress them that, and impress upon them that we're friendly? Oh, I know. I'll do this magic trick that Patrick taught me. (laughs) And Todd's like, oh no. And then he, he does it. He He pulls the coin out of the jester's ear and everyone's like, oh my God, that's amazing. And then... Uh, that's when Eris shows up and is like, hey, I can talk now. That means I'm the boss. And they're like, oh, what? what? He's like, the prophecy. There's a prophecy that when one of the they, – they do this thing where they call the Among We 
and and then the doctor and Todd are the not we. So he says, seize the not we. I am the prophesized member of the among we who gains a voice. And now I am to be the leader. Yeah. And and as you do. Politics. And yeah, and so they're just like, okay, I don't know what to do. And then we go back to <laughs> we go back to Hindle. And Hindle is on cloud nine because they have set up explosives all over the dome. And all they have to do is flip a switch and the whole place goes up. Uh, and he feels much safer. And Adric is like, well, what do we do now? And he's like, what do we do? We relax. And he takes off his jacket. And he's like, let's hang out. Um, Let it all hang out. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, and so uh, the doctor and Todd, they leave. With <laughs> the doctor and Todd. Doctor and Todd, they leave with Karuna. She, she's taking them to the elder, uh, uh, Panna. And uh, they're taking me. She's she's talking about how she has seven fathers, and like, how does that work? And she's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, most people just have one father." And she's like, "One father? That's sad." And uh, <laughs> they never really talk about it again. I'm like, "Okay, I guess they have seven dads. All right, that's weird." Like, um, anyway, a lot of questions. A lot of questions about that. I don't. I don't. I, I any theories about the seven dads thing? Well, here's the thing. So there's option A. You know, men can have multiple partners. On you know, the kinda can have multiple partners, which is fine. Polygamy, not unheard of in on Earth. Sure, but I prefer option two because it's far stranger. Which is that it takes seven people to reproduce. Well, one or kinda. is it? Is it when she says that she has seven fathers, is she referencing the fact that everyone in the in the crew, every everybody's got seven fathers or does she have seven fathers? And that's why she has the psychic gift. I just took it to Mm. mean that, like, it's multiple people raising a child like, oh, like, you know, it takes a village and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, Okay. Like All right. so then so everybody's got like seven dads. Yeah, or however many are close. Everybody yeah. everybody is everyone's dad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um so uh they arrive at uh <laughs> at Panna's cave and she comes out and she's like, Did you bring the woman that we sent the message to? And she's like, I did. She comes over and she checks her out and she's like, Okay, great. And she's like, I also have someone else. And she's like, What? Who? And the doctor's like, Oh, hello, I got the message too. And he's like, She's like, That's impossible. Men can't survive the the, the psychic message. If you got our psychic message, you would have gone insane. And she's like, unless <laughs> she gets closer and she goes, Are you an idiot? <laughs> and the doctor's like, I it's been suggested. And she's like, Come in, come along, idiot. Stop talking. It's <laughs> like, okay. So now now she just assumes the doctor's an idiot because it's the only way a man could have ever survived that psychic blast that uh she sent them. Um and you know, the doctor being the doctor, he just sort of rolls with it because uh that's what he does. Um and speaking of uh insanity caused by that damn box, uh <laughs> Hindle, Hindle has gotten the bright idea that uh, 
he wants to build a city of cardboard. Um, As just, it's arts and crafts time. Yeah. <laughs> he just he's like he's it's time for arts and crafts. And Sanderson's like, oh God, I would I would love to help you. And he's like, what really? And he's like, yeah, that sounds like so much fun. And so they just start building a city out of cardboard boxes. <laughs> In like a replica city um, out of cardboard boxes. And they're just – they're having a gay old time. <laughs> and uh, Like the Flintstones. Yeah. And then we come back and – right. Like the Flintstones. Exactly. Uh, and then <laughs> we go back and uh, Kar- Karuna starts freaking out because uh, Panna – so like the, the, the heiress – um, and the rest of the kinda show up at the cave uh, to confront them about having the Notwees. And uh, Panna's like, I don't understand what's going on. Karuna, you better you better read all of them psychically and tell me what's going on because I don't know why they would be following Eris because it's obvious that there's something wrong with Eris. So why would they be following Eris? So she tries to read them all psychically and she gets overwhelmed and starts freaking out. And then she reads Eris and Eris like kind of takes control of her or like puts her under mind control or whatever. Um, And so then that's when Panna senses that Eris has the mark of the snake. And then Eris is like, ah, let's get out of here and runs off. And Panna's like, yeah, the mark of the snake, that's uh, that's the Mara. And uh, and they're like, the, really? The the the, the mare? That's like, what what is that? And they're just like, oh yeah, it's this uh, this crazy snake god. Uh, it's it's not a good time. And they're like, wow, okay. She's like, yeah, let's do this. Uh, this let's do this kooky psychic thing in this cave here, and uh, we'll 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 check out what's going on. So they do this psychic cave thing, and uh, they go inside this vision. And like once once they go inside the vision, like. The doctor, like basically they all sit down in the cave. They start like this seance thing and the doctor and Todd notice that outside has changed. So then they walk outside and that's when they see uh, down below, they see the Kinda doing some sort of seance of their own involving all of these clocks and stuff. And then they see Panna down there. And then the jester gets hurt and dies. Like the jester's like dancing around. Like it's literally just a bunch of people standing around a bunch of clocks watching the jester dude dance around and then have a heart attack. And then Panna's there. And then the time runs out on the on the egg timer thing. And then uh, the the sand runs out. And then they the the vision ends. And they're like, oh, that was trippy and weird. And like yeah. <laughs> And then they're like, "Hey, uh, Panna, let's uh, let's get out of here." And and it turns out that uh, Panna died during the vision. So that's the uh, that's the third cliffhanger. Uh, Panna's dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, now what? Uh, so well, part four. Now what? <laughs> so after Panna dies, um, her uh, like apprentice uh, Karuna kind of absorbs like her spirit and her memories. Um, So she comes back and so she's now the wise woman. So she comes back to the cave and um, they're like, hey, so Panna died. And she's just like, no, I didn't. And then they're like, oh, this is weird. So (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, this is weird. Okay. (laughs) So they're talking with her about how the Mara might have uh, come into the world because it's like banished to this, you know, nether space. And she talks about how the Mara comes to people who are dreaming that aren't like connected psychically yes. like the like the uh like the kinda are. So the doctor's like, oh, Tegan. So they go back to the dome uh because the Kinda led by uh Eris want to kill all the explorers and like destroy the dome uh because then they will have I don't know why they want to kill them. Um but so back at the dome they're still playing make believe and Oh my god, it's amazing. <laughs> this is my favorite scene in the whole story. And so Adric Adric's like I don't I don't know what's happening anymore. I'm going to go into the mech and I mean just imagine a child surrounded by a bunch of adults. Literally, I'm not this is not an exaggeration. They are literally playing with paper dolls and talking to the paper dolls and Indel's talking to the paper doll. Yeah. And he's like, he thinks I'm a special boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, and Adris just like, oh my God, I am in over my head. I need to get out of here. It's really, <laughs> really unsettling because it's like a 30-year-old man and a 60-year-old man acting like five-year-olds in front of this teenage boy. And he's just like, I am out. I can't do this. I an adult. They're just like petting the hair of his paper doll and... <laughs> And Indel's like just like whispering in the ear of his paper doll, talking about how it thinks he's a special boy. <laughs> Where do you and not just any special boy, the most special boy. A special boy. <laughs> oh my god! And you would think that he was calling the paper boy, the, the paper doll, the special boy, but no. He is t- he is reassuring the paper doll that it is in fact calling Hindle a special boy. No, it's the very, most special boy. No, it, it's very clear. Hindle is the special boy. Yeah, Hindle Hindle is the most special boy. Um. So and, uh, and Adric just like, who's speaking of special? I need to get the hell out of here. <laughs> Adric's like, nope. And so he leaves and he hijacks the 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 refrigerator box robot. And it's activated by, like, mind stuff, but he can't control it, so it just kind of wanders into this glen. And <laughs> the, the kinda, um, and Eris has his own... I just, I just, I just got, I want a meme of Adric inside the machine that just says, internally screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I hate Adric, but I love Adric. <laughs> I think I love Adric. Oh. Oh god. Oh my god. He's, he's a gift. <laughs> so he's just kind of yelling in 
this mech and it wanders into this glen and Eris has his own like fake mech and it's basically like sticks and it makes like this weird little box around him so he's like oh well now we have our own mech so we're going to destroy them so the kinda start like attacking Adric in this box and they're just kind of like pushing it and like throwing rocks at it uh, but Adric is freaking out, so it's just spinning. And, in a and the gesture is just, and the gesture's just doing flips. Yeah, just doing flips and somersaults around it. <laughs> so there's just like this weird. <sighs> Look what I can do! Look what I can do! <laughs> this weird box robot that's teetering, and it's also spinning in a circle. And Adric is yelling inside while these people dressed in like wraps and like loincloths try and push it over. And it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. And so Adric, in his confusion, he um, accidentally, like, fires one of the robot guns. And he hits Eris and the other kinda are like, oh, that's that's not good. We should leave. And the doctor shows up and he's like, Adric, you need to chill out. And Adric's like, oh, okay. So they free him from the, the mech. And so they all go back to the dome and Hindle and Sanders are still playing make-believe with their cardboard boxes. And um, Hindle, Hindle, <laughs> Hindle finally, because um, Todd's like, how, how are you controlling the, the kinda? Like, how are you making them do what you want them to do? Because you can't talk to them and they can't talk to you. And he's like, oh, uh, I had this mirror. And so they believe that I stole their soul. So they're my friends now. And the doctor's like, oh, that's weird. And... So the doctor, he steps on one of the like cardboard, like the paper dolls, and Hindle loses <laughs> he his like, mind. Oh, I, the way I love, I love the way that you said, like uh, it, the the Hindle's like, oh, I had a mirror, and they thought I sold it, sold them to my friends now. And I just, I wanted the follow up to be like, but have you heard the news about who the special boy is? <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I believe it is in the interest of the court for us to reiterate that the defendant is indeed the special boy. <laughs> I think Handel might be my favorite, uh, my favorite villain, my classic Who villain that we've had during the long way round so far. I don't know. Does the robot count? No, because he was he was the tragic villain. The villain of that was the Nazi Party. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, the alt right. <laughs> yeah, they all right. He was he was a he was a tragic figure, mm-hmm. I would say, like Frankenstein's monster. No, sure. Yeah. Um. So the doctor accidentally crushes one of the paper dolls, and Hindle loses his mind, and he threatens to blow up the dome because he just has the big red button sitting in his lap. So the doctor is trying to, like, he like struggles with him, and he's trying to get the the big red button. And the, the, like, he drops the mirror and all that. There's all this weird stuff. And Todd has the box. So she's like, oh, look at this box I have. And Hindle's like, oh, I want to know what's in the box. And she's like, well, you, you, you can hold it, but you can't open it. He's like, okay. And then he has it. And she, she trades the box for the detonator. 
And he's like, but I want to open the box. And she's like, well, you promised not to. And he's like, well, I'm the leader and a special boy, so I'm going to open the box. And the same, like, trippy, like, whiskey shot effect happens. And I guess looking inside the box kind of writes his mind. Um, So the doctor also realizes that, like, oh, you know, mirrors are cool. Um, what if we can trap the mirrors? <laughs> mirrors, how do they work? Um, he, so he comes up with the idea of trapping the Mara um, with mirrors. So they 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 come up with this plan and they use this, these reflective panels. Where they got them, I have no idea, but they just have a like a convenient number of reflective panels, and they kind of circle up. He gets the Kinda to hold one and they kind of all circle up around Eris and Eris starts freaking out and the the snake tattoo or the mark of the snake the Mara um, slithers off of his arm and he they get Eris out of the, the mirror circle and the Mara just keeps growing until it turns into this like dinosaur sized snake and it's freaking out a little bit and it's kind of thrashing around and then it looks at the mirror and just kind of like disappears. Um, so Eris is now back to being his mute self and the Mara is overcome and Hindle and Sanders now have their mental capabilities back. And basically it's like wrap up and Todd's like, yeah, so uh, we're going to tell our home planet that this this planet sucks and it's not suitable at all. And we're just gonna, you know, some people want to stay, but I'm, I'm, I'm over it. And honestly, like the doctor. So it's like Avatar. Yeah. Basically the doctor invites her to travel with them and she's just like, eh, nah, not really. And Nissa's okay. And, um, they all say goodbye. And, they disappear in the TARDIS and go off on their new adventure. By the end of this, I was not, I was not expecting to be shipping Hindle and Sanderson. And yet <laughs> <laughs> they were very much in love at the end of the story. <laughs> we're going on a romantic stroll through the, the beautiful jungles of Kindle. <laughs> I like a happy ending. Yeah, I was into it. Also, there was like a weird moment where like the, the episode was like literally shipping Todd and the doctor, which I thought was a weird moment. I really – I like her as – like you know how everyone has their list of like companions that never were? Like she's uh-huh. she's up there on mine because she's super cool. Like, yeah, she's cool. She's a, she's a really great one-off companion that I wish had come back. Yeah. She would be cool uh, if if Peter Davison's run wasn't as tight as it is. Uh, I I wish he had a space where Big Finish could have, like, gotten her back and they did, like, a run together. Mm-hmm. That would have been really cool. That would have been awesome. But his, his, his run is – has no air in it whatsoever. Ridiculous. There's no point where you're like, oh, what's he up to now? Yeah. We always know what he's up to. Uh, 
but I'll tell yeah, you what we're up episode. to. Yeah, Kinda's great. Yes. I love it. Uh, Kinda is I, great. I realize now I love Kinda. It's Snake Dance that I don't like. That's fair. Um, gotcha. So well, we'll talk about that in 2018. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, if you want to visit our website, go well, to I would just wanted to say, uh, what, what, what we got next is, uh, oh, please. Nick, I hope you're ready. Oh God. You're about to, you're about to watch the doctor versus the turd demon. No. Um, Part one. Vengeance on Veros. Like dogma? No, no. Just a turd. Just, oh. just a turd. It's like a, like a cat poop and a slug had a baby that was the size of a golden retriever. Nice. It's, mm-hmm. it's sort of like a mini Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. A little. Only grosser. Didn't Jabba have a son? Probably. I, he probably had several. I don't know. In Clone Wars, he had a little baby that they had to like take care of. <laughs> probably. His name was like Gubba. Yeah. Gubba the Hutt. Yeah. Anyway, Ooh. if you want to go to our website at duelinggenre.com. Um, tell us all about, tell us what Jabba the Hutt's son was actually called or um, anything else that uh, crosses your mind. What do you think? Are you excited about Doctor Who coming back in season 10? Email us at contact at the doctor's companion.us. If you uh, want to talk to us about Doctor Who stuff and you're on Twitter, you can tweet us at TDCpod. And uh, we also have a Tumblr. We've always had a Tumblr, the doctor's companion podcast, Tumblr.tumblr. Dot com. <laughs> uh, how's that going, guys? Isn't that isn't that, isn't that, isn't that Cassandra's job now? Um, it's supposed to be. Unofficially, but I haven't been on Tumblr in like two weeks, so. Sure. <laughs> not who hasn't. It's a horrible place. Uh, you can. No, it's okay. It's what you make of it. You can uh, <laughs> like us on Facebook. Leave a five-star review on iTunes, which is the best thing you can do for our podcast. It really helps us out. And you can also check out our other programs like Back to the Future Minute, which is coming back soon. Lord of the Rings Minute, which is going on right now. Mm-hmm. Geek by Night, which is coming back with a vengeance very soon. Mm-hmm. Better than ever. Mm-hmm. And if you want to support us, you can go to duelinggenre.com slash support or click on our donate button. And of course, you can always check out our merch. We have shirts and coffee mugs and all kinds of stuff. And special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, who has never and will never listen to this Libra 182. <laughs> and we will see you next time when we go to Varos for vengeance. Good boy. On Varos.